0: 1989 in December of that year was the Romanian Revolution and yeah we were on the streets I got for the first time in my life I got the machine gun you know in my hand and people were fighting on the streets and just an experience of a life and death
1: Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and today we'll meet a young man who pastors an exciting, growing church in the city of Arad, Romania. Christian Barboso will tell his personal story of persecution by the communist dictator, but also how God used that experience to prepare him for a life of ministry. If you'd like additional information about today's guest and his church, please visit our website, FirstPersonInterview.com, where you'll find links and even an extended conversation with Christian, which we didn't have time for in today's broadcast. Again, that's found at FirstPersonInterview.com. I first met today's guest when he arrived in this country fresh from the Romanian Revolution in order to study at the Moody Bible Institute. You can only imagine how intimidated he was to come to America after his experience growing up under communism. But God had plans for Christian, and his work as a pastor and Christian leader today is remarkable. I've visited Christian and his church in the city of Arad, but on a recent visit to the States, Christian sat down in my studio for a conversation about life now and then. Well, I grew up in... uh...
0: Communism probably does the major story of my childhood in a village with uh, two to four hours of electric power a day, lots of shortage and waiting in long lines to get that uh, little bread every Saturday, checking out for the very restricted products that were rationed throughout uh, uh, that region at that time. Did you accept that as normal? well, you know, what did I know of anything else? And uh, that, that was normal. That was normal. And, you know, didn't have anything bad about it because we just didn't know anything better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's has been a an interesting experience uh, looking back at it because today, you know, I'm thinking like, who in the world is going to live like this? So um, two years ago, we've been to Nepal. We have a mission trip and we were like, Going back, you know, in my past, and mm, like, mm. hey, I relive this stuff. Mm.
1: Yeah. People still live, live like that today. Oh, yeah, in many places. And yeah. so, when when was your awakening, so to speak, and did it coincide with the revolution in Romania? Well, it was very close to the revolution.
0: Uh, I um, came to know the Lord. It was a process, 1985, 1988. Um, my grandfather, from my mother 's side, he was a believer, although uh, my parents and the folks around our family didn 't want me to really go to church with him or talk about christ he 's been a quiet, I would say strong influence in my life at the same time uh, my only <laughs> my roommate in school, uh, the person that I was assigned to stay in the same desk with him for four years in high school. He was the only repenter or evangelical believer, pocait, in our class. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to stay with this guy, you know? That's what you call evangelicals, Uh, repenters? That's right. That's how they called us in Romania then. And uh, praise God, they still call us today. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the the testimony of this guy and his relationship with God, his integrity, it just uh, made me rethink all of my presuppositions and, you know, all the judgments I put upon him. And then in 1988, I went uh, into the mountains. I love to hike, and uh, I, uh, I was just um, entranced with the great design of God's creation and I just couldn't make sense to me that everything would just come out of a mistake. Sounds like the Book of Romans. Well, well, that's basically the verse that stuck to my mind. I met a group of young believers that had a Bible study there, running from you know all of the secret police that was following them, and one of them was a good friend from the same village. And he came to me, and I told him my struggles, and uh, he clearly saw in me that I was moved by something, and. uh, he said, well, read Romans one nineteen and 20, you know, since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes have been clearly seen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this thing just speaks to whatever I feel right now. Mm-hmm. So, and to me, that was probably the door opener to consider there might be some truth in the scripture. And from that time on, I start uh, coming closer to the church and, you know, through the back door of creation coming to the front door of the cross. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was it. So, you were a Christian when the revolution happened? Uh, Yes. Yes, I was a Christian. I actually, (laughs) I was recruited in the army uh, at the age 18th in 20th of January 1989, the same day I remember when George Bush Sr. was elected as president of the United States. How about that? I know, the same day. And... uh, um, you know, I ended up – was very cold that day. I ended up uh, on a huge platform with hundreds of, you know, new people in there. You know, Conscripts, and, right? That's right. Young and, men who were forced into yes, service? Yes. Well, everybody was recruited, men of age 18. And uh, I thought I'm going to the Rangers because that's where uh, on my paper was written. But uh, uh, they found out that I'm a Christian. And as usual in Romania, uh, if you're a Christian, especially a repenter. You always got some type of a twist to your story, so um, meaning they twisted your life. So they uh, sent me to a militarized labor camp. Uh, it's called the Diribao. Munch, you know, many believers have been there, so I'm not uh, any hero on this. But uh, uh, it was a shocking experience for me because, you know, at the age of th- 18 to go there, I, I knew what that means because lots of people uh, coming out of years of being there, two, three, four, five years, uh, they all came with horrible stories in their life. So, so you're like a, a prisoner? Well, uh, it wasn't like a gulag or or a prison per se. It was part of the military. But instead of treating you as a normal military unit, they will just send you to do all kinds of dirty jobs. Morning through evening, all of the disciplined people, all of the disciplined officers were there too. So you had lots of criminals, thieves, people with, uh, you know, record, like prison record in their lives, uh, others that were caught crossing the frontier, the border, you know, and some Christians too. Did you feel like God had abandoned you? Well, I'm telling you what, I mean, that that was a major experience in just throwing me into the fire, a furnace. And, you know, I mean, God was just incredible. You know, that colleague of mine that shared the same desk with me for four years in high school, that Mm -hmm. was my major, I would say, young person influence in my life. We're in the 10th grade and we were dreaming, you know, wow, Christian, we're going to go into the army. would it be great to be together? So... We had no clue, absolutely no clue. But that day, they start calling our names by the first letter of the last name. And because I'm Barboso, I was among the first. So after three or four hours staying there just in the same position out in the cold, I heard his name being called. I'm like, oh, maybe there's just another guy. And that guy was called. He was sent to the same battalion, to the same company, to the same platoon, to the same group I was number two she was he was number three and he slept on the bed on top of my bed in the same room that means in you know, a lot of chores that they will send us to do I remember at night we were you know they had us wash the floor with uh, brick because there was no soap and you know just you know, spitting on us and hitting us and all of that. And I was crying like, Lord, where are you? I'm a new believer. I thought, you know, life is going to be different with you and all of that. And this guy were there by me, Christian, you know, trust the Lord. You know, he will just pray over me. We'll go on the stairway. Nobody will see us. He will pray with me. I mean, you know, it was like the guardian angel was by me right there, you know. <laughs> so, uh um, yeah, truly, I mean, in the midst of
1: all of that trial, I had this light of mm-hmm. mine, Let it shine, you know. (laughs) Well, besides that, and that's a tremendous story, but besides that, how did you survive that experience? And how did God lead you? Well, I've been there for about four months. I should have been there
0: for the whole track. Uh, I don't know. A year or two depends how much they wanted us to be. Normally, it was a year and four months. But um, anyhow, so after four months, (laughs) in Romania, under Ceausescu was a national festival called Cantara Romania, the Romanian Song. Where everybody from any part of society had to participate. Like so a talent th- show kind of thing? Uh, yeah, type of a deal. Mm-hmm. Like a pyramidal system type mm-hmm. of uh, who's getting on the top. and yeah. uh, American uh, idol, Romanian uh, idol in <laughs> this case. <laughs> <a> Romanian <really> communist <laughs> idol, <you> know. <laughs> so they even had the guys from our platoon participate. And of course, you know, at that time there were tons of informers in Romania and uh, they had them in file that uh, through my childhood, my mother was a music teacher and uh, I. I played, I mean, I sang, I uh, recited poems for the party, I mean, most of my life. And they said, well, you you had some experience in this. Why don't you just go and represent us doing something? So I was like, well, okay, you know, at least for one day I can get some clean clothes, maybe take a shower. We, we had showers like every two weeks, oh, one boy. pair of clothes, day and night, the same deal, you know. Maybe I can eat some food. This not, could be your ticket out. You know, yeah. So at least for a day, you know, so... That's right. I went there and I chose a poem, a patriotic poem, Decebalke Trepopore, one of the remaining kings. I didn't want to praise the dictator because most of the (laughs) songs will go in that direction. And uh, uh, by the grace of God, I was able to, uh, you know, go to the next level. And then in the next two weeks, they said, hey, you're going to be to the next I said, oh, that's great. Another free meal, you know, good, clean, you know, clothes. (laughs) I'm okay with this. Yeah, that's right. So uh, for about six months, by the grace of God, I got to the national level. I was among the free final, uh, you know, people in the major final show. And that's where uh, some of the guys that were in the leadership in this communist organization realized that, hey, they cannot just have me there. Uh, recite this poem and introduce me coming from this militarized labor camp unit because that's where usually, yeah, you know, sure. the garbage of society goes. You don't ever get anything good out coming out of Nazareth, you know. <laughs> so I was like, uh, well, so suddenly they, they start telling me, you know, we're going to move you. Say, so we're going to move me. We're going to move you to the Transylvanian ensemble of the army in uh, Oradi at that time and then inclusion. I'm like, what? So they promoted me and made me a sergeant, change all my clothes, all of this stuff. And in the meantime, they said, well, there is about two or three months up to the time that this competition will have the final shot. And, you know, a lot of these communist leaders will be there. So we want to train you to make sure that we are not
1: taking any risk. So here is my chance. I mean, to get out and, and just have a different life. God did provide a way out for Christian Barboso and we'll continue the conversation coming up in a moment on First Person. Next week on First Person, our guest will be Odessa Settles from Nashville, Tennessee. You know, I grew up in a segregated community and I often wanted to know why this was so. Just about everything that I choose to do in life, musically and socially, has something to do with that, with breaking down barriers. You'll meet this unique woman who has much to teach us about the African American struggle for freedom. That's next time on First Person. Let's get back to the conversation with our Romanian pastor friend, Christian Barboso, on First Person today. And uh, I asked Christian about that competition that he once entered. Well,
0: we had the three different uh, uh, things that I had to do. I won one of them, and on the other two, I got second and third place. But the major thing for me was not just winning, but uh, getting this personal training with this Romanian professional actor from the theater. Every day, the army, the communist army will pay for me to go and be trained in public speaking and poems and so on. And what I I realized three, four years later, actually, when I was here at Moody in Chicago looking back, that at that time when I had absolutely no idea whatsoever that I'll be in the ministry, that I'll come to Moody and then you'll start a church. You probably didn't know
1: there was such a thing, right?
0: No, no. And, you know, at that time, I didn't realize that, but I, I, it just came to my mind how God used that probably the darkness spirit of my life mm-hmm. to really uh, uh, bring some training and some mm-hmm. future and got even the communists to pay for a guy <laughs> to train me in
1: public speaking. So, so now as you stand in the pulpit as a minister of the gospel, you're drawing on that experience that the communists exactly
0: gave. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I was in Moody for the homiletic classes at Dallas Seminary, everybody was trembling. I just loved them because, <laughs> I mean, that guy
1: was really tough with me. If you can survive the communists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, it, it was a good experience. All right, but you're still in, the, in a communist army under a dictator.
0: Oh, yeah, at that time yes, that's clear. Yeah. It was in 1989 that was happening during the summer and the fall and as you know, in December of that year was the Romanian Revolution. So, uh, uh, that was another. It was like an intense microwave moment of my life. You know, everything just comes in one year altogether, and yeah, we were on the streets. Uh, I got for the first time in my life, I got the machine gun, you know, in my hand, and people were fighting on the streets. And I mean, it, it's just a just an experience yeah. of a
1: life and death. I've stood with you in a rod where people died. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yep. So during the revolution, you're in the army. And then everything just falls apart. What happened to you? Well, I was there to fall apart, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I I had some plans in my life based on the old system. Now, what should I do with my life? Is the new freedom, you know, lots of opportunities. So, uh, obviously, the first thing, I joined a church. I got baptized. I was so excited about ministry. But at the same time, I wanted to look at the future. What do I do with my life? And I uh, became a border guard. I worked as a border guard for about a year and a half uh, while I was preparing to go and uh, try a law school uh, in Romania University. And while I was at the border, that's where God challenged me with uh, what about doing some type of a ministry? And I met uh, a Romanian pastor from Chicago, and uh, I had a talk with him. He challenged me on that. And uh, with the help of his church, uh, I was able to come and uh, get in touch with Moody. Uh, I didn't speak English at the time. I really didn't know anybody here. They paid for my first year in school. And really, uh, I mean— I, you know, I mean, I, I can land it on the moon here. Well, you're this really, tough, really different.
1: You're this tough border guard, uh, former army member, but you're out of your element. I mean, you're coming to a country that's got to seem just as foreign as anything on, oh, it on earth to you. It was. I mean, I I cried
0: at Moody my first two months, writing like thirty page letters to my parents <laughs> and all of that. In a way, I cried for joy. On the other hand, I just cried because it was such a strange feeling to me. Everything. When did you really feel that God called you to preach? What was interesting that uh, um, landing at Moody, I didn't know about my gifts. I didn't know anything about what God wants with my life. And that's, that's, the, that's the full grace story of my, my testimony in a way or another. And while I was at Moody, my first year, you know, I knew that uh, this church is going to end up with their sponsorship. What am I going to do for the next year? And in the winter of uh, uh, 1991, I wanted to work. I couldn't find any place to work, obviously legally in campus. Mm-hmm. And I was just praying, Lord, probably have to go back home. And I was in the uh, cafeteria at Moody, and uh, I was talking pretty loud with some friends, because I have a loud voice. <laughs> and a prof just came to me and said, would you see me in my office? i like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, so I well. went to the office, and um, was the choir director, Mr. Red from Moody Corral. <laughs> he said, can you sing? I said, well, you know, I, I can sing. Well, yeah. sing some songs for me. So I sang some songs, and then he says, look, I'm going to do something that I, I never do. This guy is a high prof, you yeah. know. You know, all that Director stuff. of the Moody Corral. That's Chorale. right. Yeah. He said, you know, we have to go on a tour in a week, and free, uh, my basses are down. They are sick, and I need a voice, a bass voice. I said, Prof, you know, Mr. Red, I don't even know English well. I, I don't memorize the songs. I don't have a tuxedo. I have absolutely no clue. So, said, no, oh, you just project your voice loud when I look at you. So <laughs> that's what I did. I went to, to that tour. And uh, uh, the first day of the tour, he was very agitated. And I asked him, what's wrong? And he said, well, look, we had to have a speaker for the tour. And the speaker got sick last night. We have no speaker. And he said, I don't know what to do. So I I was just sitting by him in the bus going to Michigan, and he started talking to me about my life and just asking some questions. And then suddenly he turns to me and says, listen, what if tonight I'm going to ask you the same questions and you just tell me the same answers? And we're going to do it for tonight. And maybe for
1: tomorrow night, we're going to find a speaker. And being the trained public speaker that you were. Well, yeah, but not in English. I didn't have the gift of tongues you know, at that time. So
0: I, I with my broken English, just got in there. And anyhow, so from that time on, basically for about two years, I was the speaker for the Moody Corral and that thing just launched my speaking ministry in a way. Because, you know, then Sunday school classes, different churches called me up. And, and other churches came along and actually supported you so you could stay at Moody. And that's and that's exactly right. Yeah. Racine Bible
1: Church, some folks there. And then it was just incredible. Hmm. Yep. But uh, you went on to Dallas Seminary. That's right. And uh, when did Anne come into your life? At the Moody Bridal Institute, of (laughs) course. (laughs) I was the president
0: of the international students and like only in the American movies you can say this. She was my secretary. Okay. so I married my secretary too, so we have that in common. So we spent a lot of time together planning all kinds of activities and having good prayer time. And she came from the mission field in Africa for 10 years. She's from France. And she really wanted to be a missionary. And I mean, the Lord just brought her in my life. Okay. The two of you get married. Yes. Does she know you're going to take her back to Romania? Right from the beginning. I had absolutely no 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 discussion i told her look sister if you want to get serious about this stuff i'm going back to romania you never wavered on that no 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 no. i don't i don't know why because you know I, i cannot say that i'm this patriotic type of a guy but for me the call was clear i have to go back to romania and that's what i did every summer while i was in the states and that's where i am now all right let's talk about the now metanoia Yes, yes. Uh, In 2005, um, I was at uh, Trinity doing my PhD here in Deerfield, and uh, I had a dream to really start a church that will be uh, strong in the world, but at the same time relevant to the, I call it post-communist, post-modern generation in Eastern Mm -hmm. Europe. And really, really, I was just praying a lot alongside. I was planning and, you know, all of these dreams of mine. And a group of Romanian believers called me up and they said, listen, Christian, we know about your vision. But listen, we are just burning to do something like this. And why don't you just come and join us? I'm like, come on, guys, in the middle of my doctorate studies. You know, I don't have time to. Get back to me later. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so we put five months in fasting and prayer me we've on here and they there and after 5 months it was so clear i have to be there mm. so we left in 2005 from here and it took me 7 years to finish my phd but i don't praise god <laughs> but in the meantime uh, we started this church and uh, in arad in our city why and call it metanoia well, because, you know, that's the heart of the gospel. We want to see transform lives. It means and, change. And transform lives come through repentance. And in the Greek, the word repentance means metanoia, the change of mind, the change of heart. And this is the core value of our church. Yeah, so that's why it's metanoia. Mm-hmm. And God has blessed it. It's growing. It's an amazing story. Well, in the past five and a half years, we grow about 100 people a year. Uh, this summer, only about 40 people came to the Lord uh about 35 are right now for the fall uh listed for baptism. Uh yeah, we have about uh 500 members and about another 100 uh, we call them friends. Hmm. And uh you know, lots of prodigals coming back to the church and it's just uh it's
1: I love it. I just hmm. love it. I've visited the church in Arad on a recent Sunday morning, and I've seen how many lives are being radically changed by the power of the gospel proclaimed in that land. I also watched a service online just recently where a number of new believers were baptized. You know, that day when Christian came to the studio, we continued talking beyond our allotted radio time, and you can hear the rest of the conversation when you come to the website firstpersoninterview.com. Here's a sample as we talk about the church in Arad. It's indeed an amazing
0: story because it's a story of grace. It's nothing to do with men. Uh, I never dreamed to see
1: things happening at such a high uh, pace and such an intensity. You can hear that extended conversation on our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. Of course, we've also placed a link there online for you to follow if you'd like to know more about Meninoia Church and God's work in Romania. It's all at FirstPersonInterview.com. All of our past interviews are there to listen to as well. And by the way, we'll put pictures from the church in Romania on our Facebook page. You can find that at facebook.com forward slash first person interview Well, next week, our guest will be Odessa Settles from Nashville, Tennessee. A unique story and a unique talent. You'll love meeting Odessa next week here on First Person. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. I hope you'll join us next week at this same time for First Person.